Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the promise that you have made, that when we gather together in your name, you are here. So, O oh Lord, out of your kindness and mercy, open our hearts and our minds to your presence. We do pray, O oh Lord, that you would be the one who speaks words, sacraments, song, and prayer. And so we do say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. We are hungry for you. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I want to tell you a story as a way to begin. The uh, person who told the story swears that it is true and not myth. I will take him at his word. Every legislative session of parliament begins with a visit from the queen, and it is a very regal tradition. She wears her crown and robe and processes down a hallway lined with the queen's guards, who literally strike the stone walls with their swords to make sparks fly as she walks by. The hallway ends at the House of Lords, where the queen enters, takes her seat, and commissions the house. Several years ago, they were forced to modify that tradition to accommodate the queen's advancing years. Typically, she takes a grand staircase that leads to that hallway, but it became too much for her to climb, so the decision was made that she and her people would take the elevator, or the lift, as they would say. But the first year, there was a mistake. The lift operator accidentally pushed the button for the wrong floor. Rather than the entrance to the hallway into Parliament, the button pushed was for the maintenance floor. The door opened and Alice, the cleaning woman, with her head down, pushed her cleaning cart into the elevator, not knowing who was, who was in there, as she had done countless times. Only this time, she pinned the queen against the wall. The doors quickly closed behind her, and only then did Alice look up and notice what she had done. She let out an expletive not fitting for the presence of royalty. And then there was this terrible, awkward silence. The silence was only broken by the queen's uncontrollable laughter. Then the queen instructed the lift operator to take them to the proper floor. The doors opened, and to everyone's shock, out walks Her Majesty the Queen in her regalia, along with Alice the cleaning woman, who processed together side by side down the royal hallway as the queen instructed. As the queen herself once said, I believe in doing small things with great love. Does that have anything to do with the sermon? It has everything to do with the sermon. You see, we have a choice in front of us, and it was laid out as clearly as I've ever heard it from a writer by the name of Hannah Anderson, and she said this, we are not self-made. After all, if we were self-made, we would be responsible for everything we do as individuals, both good and bad. In this self-understanding, there is no room for complex narratives, shaping forces, or things larger than ourselves. 
Heavy is the hand that wears the crown of self-sovereignty. My faith has been a keystone, and because one of the things that my faith teaches me is in fact the limits of my own ability. I have agency, yes. Am I responsible for my choices? Yes. I am called to love God and my neighbor. But I'm also a creature, and being a creature means having less agency than God and knowing it. Being a creature means learning to live out my days before my creator in humility, receiving what I cannot change, but taking responsibility for what I can. There is much that needs to be set right in the world, much that we are called to fight for, but there is also much that is not in our control. We cannot entirely make our own way forward. And I would add, what is in our control, however, is the capacity to respond to God's invitation, to serve, and in a particular way, in a way that expresses faithfulness, humility, and love. In a sense, this ordination service plays out that paradox of God choosing us, the church recognizing that God has chosen you, and saying yes to God and to his church. How much God is controlling events and how much is our choice to say yes to those events is actually only known to the Father. But I will say this, God's choice and your assent are both essential. And that is why you and we are here. Humility says, however, God has done it all. It was all I could do just to say yes. How could I not say yes to the call of the living God? The fire, the tender mercies, the power of the Lord, of the living God has said yes to me. To me. How could I also not say yes in response? Did I have a choice? Perhaps I had. But in the, in the face of the fire of God's love, what else could I do? Think the call of Isaiah. Seraphs, holy, 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 the face of God. Isaiah, woe, I am undone. <laughs> what else could he do but say yes to the commission that it was given to him? And I hope you my brothers know that, that in fact, in the heart of God was birthed the idea long before it ever appeared at your doorstep, much less in your heart, that you were called to enter into this vocation. It's in fact a tremendous comfort to know so. Believe me, if there were any point where I believed that somehow what I had done, impossible as it may seem, had completely manipulated the process to get what I wanted out of it, and that I'm here by self-importance in my own capacity to be able to work the system, I would be terrified indeed. It's too big. It's, it's too much. When you hear the commission to these deacons, you will have this, and you will do that, and you will do this. A part of me, every time I hear it, wants to go hide. 
Lord, who is made for these things? And I want you to know that does not change. In fact, if you ever get to the point of somehow feeling like, I've got this, woe be to you. But I think it's just the opposite, that it is that wonder that comes from being the recipient of God's mercies that brings me back to saying not only yes, but thank you. And even the wonder of occasionally looking around and saying, how did I get in on this? It's just too amazing. And because we know that all of this is from God, it gives us the freedom to enter in and say yes, that it is in fact grace dependent, God's power dependent. And because of that, that is what gives us the courage to say yes and to enter into what really do feel like impossible situations, sometimes on a weekly basis. Clergy, nod your head. Impossible situations almost a weekly basis. And you continue to say yes, even when it means entering into the fray, because you know that you are there by divine appointment, under God's authority, by God's power, in his commission, and nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you didn't know that, why in the world would you do this? But not only does it give you that kind of inner sense of agency, authority even, it actually also gives you the freedom to in fact be absolutely transparent with God about your deepest shortcomings. There's, there's no need to play the actor. There's no need to somehow hope God isn't noticing the things that you, of course, and I know that he does all the time. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open. But to be transparent before him knows that we can come into a place of confession that is already prepared for us. Come and sit at my table. Let me hear your heart. St. Anthony of Milan. Many a sin has sullied me in body and in soul because I did not restrain my thoughts or guard my lips. Nevertheless, it is to thee, O God of majesty and love, that I turn in my extremity, for thou art the fount of all mercies. To thee, as quickly as I may, I speed, for thou alone can heal me. I take refuge under thy protection. And because all of that is true, O oh God, may I now confess my sins. You see, otherwise we do play the actor. We develop a kind of public persona. We take a role. We're not ourselves. We're doing what the job demands, what other people expect of us. It is always the temptation to gear up, put your game face on, which in our context is actually a smile, regardless of who's in front of you. But to do so before God with a level of transparency 
asking him to cleanse you from those very facades, asking God to work in you a deeper authenticity, not the capacity to act, and that what would flow out of you would literally be the living water of Jesus Christ, that he has put within us is something else entirely. Honestly, if you don't confess your sins before God, and if they don't, that doesn't keep you humble, it's only because you're lying to yourself. And how do you know when you're lying to yourself? It's when you figure out that the work is more important than praying. Because you can think you, think you can get by without the prayer. Paul David Tripp put it as succinctly as I know. Prayerlessness is always, almost always, the result of putting the credit where it is not due. Meaning, I can get there. It is the inward work of God's mercy, our repentance, God reaching out to us, our reaching out to him that keeps us tender, vulnerable, and allows us to see the privilege and honor of being what? Being a servant, which is the heartbeat of what vocation means. Regardless of order, the heartbeat is not the capacity to lead, it's the capacity to be a servant so that by the mercy of God, the Spirit of the Lord works through you in a way that draws people to himself and gives you the authority among the people God is drawing to speak, to lead, and to act in a way that causes people to go, only God can do that. His strength, as Paul writes, being made perfect in our weakness. You see, now, do you see the connection between this ordination and the story of the cleaning woman and the queen? Jesus, as our sovereign, invites us into the most unlikely places because he has something to do for us. It is, in fact, a divine appointment, and it brings us both pain and joy. Which is why, for the psalm we sing, with not a trace of irony, Oh, Lord God, happy are they who trust in you. They shall go from height to height, and our God shall reveal himself in Zion, that place where his presence dwells, in all of its majesty, in all of its beauty, in all of its extraordinary vastness beyond anything that we could ever comprehend. And it is to that into which he invites us. You see, that's why the disciples got it so wrong. We got a kingdom coming. <laughs> we want our place in it. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. The greatest among you must be as the youngest. The leader like one who serves. I mean, that's, that's a kind of astonishing, what in the heck is up and down when that kind of statement is said? but it has everything to do with how you think about even the places of your leadership. For example, we live in a very contentious age where winning the argument is really seen as nothing less than a spiritual gift. Regardless of whether you're talking culture, politics, or even liberal versus conservative within the strains of our own congregations. 
And quite frankly, it is a wicked temptation to make that your point. Sure, there's always a place for good apologetics. I'm not in any way deriding that. But if you don't think about the person with whom you're engaging as someone for whom Christ died, and that the commitment of maintaining that relationship is in fact more important than winning the argument you lose even if you silence your opponent. And worse than that, who you lose in front of is God. And he is the one who always has the last word, <laughs> not us. But to live in that kind of way, to think before you act about the impact it's going to have on other people, to take responsibility for both gains and losses and finding a way to move forward, to beg God to work in you, the capacity to change in those places where it just feels way too stubborn. And to know that there's grace in the kingdom of God for even God to live around those places where the change needs to happen, to still to do the work that he does because you're never fully qualified. It's all a gift of the Holy Spirit. It is in fact its own grace that comes from times with God, transparency with others, knowing that the cry of Isaiah, I am undone, is not a one-time event. <laughs> we go back to that again and again and again. Because, beloved, the mantle of Christ is the towel. It's not the crown. It's not the accolade. It's not the credit card that'll let you get what you want. It's not other friends' applause. The mantle of Christ is a towel, which is the universal symbol in the body of Christ for servitude for taking the lowest place, of caring for others more than winning the argument, who thinks about even stuff like outreach and program. I mean, aside, this isn't in my script, but I want to say it. You're going to be in charge of a lot of outreach. That's a part of the role of a deacon. Too many congregations have thought about outreach that in the end winds up making their people feel better, but their recipients, in fact, feeling worse because they feel the sense of noblesse oblige being handed down to, to them, just like that. There's no collegiality. There's no brother in Christ. There is no co cooperation that allows us to know them, to care for them, to hear them, to trust them, to serve them, to make the time to build a relationship that allows their hearts to speak to you. And out of that, and only at that point, to be able to say, then let's find a way before God to be able to do this together. But that is, in fact, your role as deacon. If you are called, in fact, as a servant of Christ. So, beloved, as many have said before, this is an impossible vocation. But it is, in fact, also the vocation to which you are called. And me too. Once a deacon, always a deacon. You don't escape that rector's.
Rector means ruler, but I want to tell you, rule by servanthood, otherwise run. So to close, what I would actually like to do, as opposed to giving you a charge, because honestly, this whole sermon's been a charge, is to really pray over you before we enter into the time of ordination. So will those of you who are about to be ordained please stand? O oh Lord, use their hands, I pray, to be a channel for your healing touch to those in pain today. Use their feet, I pray, to walk with those who are alone today. Use their prayers to speak a word of peace to those who are at war with themselves today. Use their mouths, I pray, to share your words of hope to those in despair today. Use their ears, I pray, to listen to those who need to unburden themselves and have no one else to turn to. Today, may they go into the world as servants of Christ. Amen. <laughs>